This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And this week we have Desmond Lim, founder of Workstream.us. We're super excited to have him on the show. This guy is the definition of an extreme hustler. He's a Harvard graduate. You know, he started his company. We want to hear a lot more about his story. He's from Singapore and now we all live in the Bay Area. We're super excited to have him. Desmond Lim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian, for, you know, having me. Um, I'm very glad to be able to hear and to be able to share more. Yeah, definitely. So much. <laughs> We're super excited to have you here. But before we dive deep into Workstream, we want to learn about who, who are you? Like, we, we understand that you grew up in Singapore. Your parents were, you know, workers that, that worked really hard to give you the future that you needed to succeed. And that resonates with, with both of us, too, and the reason why we started Asian Hustle Network. So we definitely want to hear more about your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, maybe I could just start by sharing with you all a bit more about me and about my parents. I think that, that is like a great, a really great way to start. And then if you have any other questions, we can go on from there. Do you think that sounds good? That sounds great. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, so I found out my first business right after high school to pay for college. So both my parents, they are both hourly workers. My dad is, he's a driver and my mom, she just helps him. Um, so my dad's been driving for the past 40 years. Uh, my granddad actually came from China to, to like Singapore when he was 17 and he, he only $1 in his pocket <laughs> and he actually founded this like and he, 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 he had this very big family. My dad was like ranked fourth out of I think 13 kids. <laughs> so very big family. Um, so my dad came out to work very early. So did my mom. They both only finished fourth grade. So, um, so right after high school, my parents, they didn't want me to go out to school. They were saying, hey, you should go out and find a job because that, that is the way that we have learned, right? Mm-hmm. But I saw all my peers and friends, they were all going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't pay for it yet. So I just, my very first business was actually teaching math and science <laughs> so mm-hmm. I really started from this I saw there was an ad on this papers to be this tutor so I started to call up people to see if I can help them to teach math and science mm-hmm. I must have done about 50 to 100 calls then I got my first job <laughs> wow. and from the very first student I grew to having like 5 10 students um, I went on to grow to having more than 50 over students <laughs> so um, so from just teaching 101 um, I 
started to form groups whereby I would teach groups of four to five people, math and science. Mm-hmm. And after that, I started to match people. <laughs> I started oh. to match some, some of my friends who were keen to teach to, to some of my, my like, students. So that yeah. was my very first business. Um, I created enough sales to pay for college uh, back home, Singapore. And yeah. when I was in college, I founded a Thai food restaurant selling Tom Yum curry awesome. Thai for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very fun, but it was also very challenging having to hire manage people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I learned so much from that, you know, trying to run operations, finance, trying to hire people. Um, I ran it for three years throughout college. Mm-hmm. Um, all the while, while I was in school and I was also playing sports, one other fun fact that I think I didn't share with you and the team is um, I've been playing basketball since young. <laughs> um, I, so I've been playing since I was seven and I would play until I was 23. I was actually Singapore's actually, actually starting point guard. Wow. So, That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So awesome. I, I've been playing uh, basketball for my whole life since I was young. And I always tell folks that sports was one of the big things that really changed my life mm-hmm. because my parents didn't know much about school. I didn't know much about school and work, but mm-hmm. I was okay in sports. And I knew that yeah. if I tried to work hard, um, I can get forward. Yeah. Right. So I think throughout high school, college, while I was trying to juggle other things, I was also playing sports. Yeah. Uh, I still re re remember clearly when, when I was playing in this Southeast Asian games, it was actually in this, in this Vietnam. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was fun. We played against Vietnam, Philippines, Thailand, and more. I think we, we, we were ranked third or fourth. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was all to you about college. So mm-hmm. maybe I will pause here to see if I should go on more or if you have no, any other... I want to hear about the yeah, entire story, you know, like... <laughs> Just to recap for okay, our cool, listeners too, cool. like it's a lot of great things that I can see why you're so successful already. It's just the way we're also brought up, you know, as you mentioned before, your grandparents had one dollar, came up like one dollar and it made something happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like when you're when you're down to your last resource, you become more resourceful because mm-hmm. you have to survive. You know, you do things you would never do because you know you have a family to take care of. And that's really reminiscent of my own family. So my parents escaped the Vietnam War, and when he came over here, they were living off $25. And at that time, they were about 21, 22, and my sister and my brothers were born already. And they had to spend $25 to take care of an entire family until my dad made some money. Yeah. We keep telling their stories, like, if we can live off $25, you can live off for much less than that. You have to be yes. responsible. And they're telling me what they spent it on. They spent it on a case of water. They spent, some, they spent the money on, on instant noodles and they still had like $30 yeah. left over. And are like, okay, we can last another <laughs> yeah. month. You know? So that's really reminiscent of what your story and the way that we were brought up. Mm-hmm. The other thing is your parents um, grad- like finished up to fourth grade. My mom finished up to third grade and my dad, <laughs> My dad did uh, up to sixth grade, you know, like they probably right. won't let me, they probably won't let me talking about this right now. <laughs> they're like, hey, you know, but it's, it's, there's there, there's other things that they bring to the table too. It's like, even though the education is not that high, but the way they yes. look at life, it's very holistic. It's very yeah. like, 
hey, you can do anything you want. Don't let anyone stop you, you know? And I love your hustler mentality. Like, thank you. You paid for yourself during college. That's amazing. Like, yeah. That's, that's yeah. stories we hear about from like people we look up to. You're one of yeah. the guys we yeah. look up to. Yeah. You know? and not a lot of Thank you. Do that, you know? that requires a lot of grit and a lot of hustle. So that's yeah. You, know, you can really appreciate that. And one thing I also Thanks noticed to too yeah. is that you know the way you're running your business right now, right? You draw upon every single experience you ever had in your life to run this company. Whenever you're back against this wall, you're like, hey, I managed 50 plus people in my restaurant before. I managed 50 students. This is doable. I've done this in the past before. I did so much more with so little money. I did so much more with so little knowledge. That's true. You have knowledge and the credential. You went to Harvard. What what can you do with that? You know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, that is so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, and maybe I'll just share a bit more than so after I ran my business I sold it in my senior year and I went out to work and actually finance I was with this Merrill Lynch for three years back in Singapore um, and I saved up for those three years so that I could come to the U.S. for school right. I always had this dream and hope that hey I'm gonna come to the U.S. to try to start this business here because there's so much more I can learn right so after three years with this Merrill I came to the U.S. in 20. And I must say that the years from 2013 to 2016, when I was back in Boston, were the three years that I really so-called, I would say so-called really pushed the hardest in terms of trying to actually hustle and try to save, 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 save my money. Mm-hmm. I pretty much went through school without spending so much money because I work as this RA at school. So mm-hmm. I was, I was living at this MIT Fred house mm-hmm. um, and they gave me, room and bought, <laughs> which is yeah. great. So yeah. I have food and I, I have a place to stay. And then I managed to get this half half scholarship from the school. Awesome. So I paid for the other half with my own savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I managed to find a place at school where I can work, um, where I can run my actually, actually team from. So it is called Harvard Innovation Lab. So it was really great to be based there. I got a free bike from my friend that I can actually cycle <laughs> to and fro school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was really great. I, I really had a really good setup so, mm-hmm. such that um, even after when I finished school, I was able to have some like savings to work on my current business. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like there's always all this news about how you really have to hustle, you really have to go into debt to try to start your own Mm-hmm. business i think that is not real i think people should actually think about how can you create enough cushion and this mm-hmm. savings so that when you come out to do your own business you you don't you don't feel scared yeah right yeah like, yeah so i like so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so th- that was really why i did throughout school and then i moved out to the bay area in 2016 i moved out to Palo Alto because my wife, she was based here. She was going to school at this actually Stanford mm-hmm. business school. So I came out to be with her and I've been here since <laughs> and been working on my current company since late 21-7. And now we are a team of about 40 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our teammates are in the Bay Area, but we mm-hmm. also have teammates in this Singapore, China, but mainly it's based in the US. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
What was your, your thought process, you know, moving to San Francisco, you know, coming from Singapore, a whole new place? What, what was your, what were your thoughts just moving? Did you, you know, know exactly what you were going to do when you moved here? Or, you know, were you kind of just in the process of meeting new people and like, you know, deciding what you wanted to do, deciding, you know, like how you wanted to start your business? Yeah, that's a good question. Maggie, so I first came out of the Bay Area in 2007 for mm. this school trip uh, when I was still in freshman year. So that was mm. more than 13 years ago. So I'm very old. <laughs> so I came out then for like a one month long trip. We, we, we went to about eight to nine companies like mm. Apple, Google, and more. And I think that trip when I was still in school, that, that really changed my mind. Mm. I always had this thinking that, I have to come back here someday to kind of yeah. start my own business. Mm -hmm. So I think that was always a dream that I had for more than like 10 over years. But I knew that things don't just happen overnight. Right. I mean, I think that, that, that is kind of the one single advice that I love to share is that people have to learn to be patient. Trying to build something takes time, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be really focused and work on something for quite some time it can be right. months and years and some, sometimes five to ten years right so i think i was just really focused on that so when the chance came for me to move out here mm -hmm. i was just very clear that i i should come out here and one fun fact was that um i feel very thankful because even though i only went to school at this harvard but in my first six years in the us i i was staying in three in three dorm rooms. The first two years was at Harvard. The second two years was at MIT because I was I was doing work at, at this, as this RA. And when I came out to the Bay Area, um, 2016 to 2018, my wife, she was going to school here at this uh, Stanford. So as her spouse, I was, I went in and took about 10 over classes for free. <laughs> yeah, because I would just walk into the class and my wife, she would write to the, to the prof and say, hey, can my spouse see in the class? So uh -huh. I took over 10 over classes for free and I learned so much. Mm -hmm. My wife always jokes that I, I know even more folks than her <laughs> because <laughs> I had time, right? She was at school. I had free time and I was just mm -hmm. always in this school cafe um, yeah. trying to meet with people and chat. Yes. So um, some people may think that, hey, it is not right for you to do so but um i felt fine because i was able yeah. to create value for my peers and friends and mm -hmm. um yeah some of the classes i even did better than my wife and she was not very happy <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we edit the part out so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean yeah. again really really good points i think you mentioned that you really have to enjoy the process you know I think that nowadays we see a lot of situations where people are watching too many movies and they're like, oh man, like I can totally be successful overnight. That's not mm -hmm. the case at all. Like you have to continually be focused and have a lot of patience, like you said, and really enjoy the process. It's going to yeah. take a long time for your vision to become a reality. You know? yeah. And that plays into the passion part too. Like how passionate about you about the subject? Like can you usually yeah. feel the same way about it every single morning? For the next yeah. three to five years, you have to mm -hmm. ask yourself that question, you know. And I like how, um, you know, you you spent your time really well. Like you knew for the fact that 
your wife is at Stanford graduate, graduate school and you knew the kind of value that it could bring you guys as not just for your wife, but for you yourself, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, instead of just sitting at home and doing whatever, you're, you're attending classes with your wife. You're finding <laughs> a lot of value from it. So whatever return you got from those classes is infinite because you never paid anything for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. It was actually very good. And even for my current idea, it actually, came out from some of these classes yeah. that I took at. There was a class that's called Startup Garage. I mean, like, yeah. I think for this class, there were stuff such as DoorDash and SoFi. They all came out from that class. Wow. So it's mm-hmm. actually during that class that I came out with, 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 with this idea with my team. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's extremely valuable too. It's like you never let a minute go by, you know. <laughs> that's I think it resonates with a lot of people within the Asian Hustle Network too. It's like mm-hmm. oh, people always think that you know the opportunities are never my coming my way. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I don't have enough luck. I'm not smart enough. I can't do this. I can't do that. But opportunity are never limited. Only your mind is. You know, as soon yes. as you know your mind more, you make something happen. Yes. Know? Yeah. And you go out there, yes. you network, you talk to people that expands your horizon. You yes, know? yes, that's, yeah. that's true. Like, that is very true. D- d- just to share more, when I first came out to start my current company, Workstream, I must have pitched about 50, 60 companies before the first one said yes. Um, I actually went door to door in the streets of this, actually, Palo Alto, and I just went to every single shop and tried to mm-hmm. talk to them. Hey, I'm, I would love to ask you a few simple questions about your current hiring process yeah and i really just went door to door and, oh, and then many people said no but there was one yeah. that said yes yeah <laughs> all you need is one yes you know yeah yes, <laughs> yes. yes. but I, I love it i love the hustle mentality that you always had you know and the fact that it kind of reminds me of you know me and Maggie too, we're hustling. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit shameless. Like we don't care what people think about us. We just have to do <laughs> awesome. what we have it. to do to succeed, you know? Yeah, and that's definitely. that's the only way you can succeed. It's there's hustle and there's consistency and patience, but the missing ingredient is grit. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Grit. Like you had to push through no matter how many how much force pushes back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's that's yeah, I mean that's an amazing story and having you come from Singapore to Boston to Harvard, MIT to here to sitting in classes at Stanford, getting ideas, you know, like, <laughs> what, we, what does this track record show you? This guy's a nerd. No, <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am, I am. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he admits it too, so that's good. <laughs> I'm, just, yes. I'm just messing around because I, I, I love, I love this story so much, you know. Like, Thank you. Thank you so much. And let's, let's dive into Workstream, too. Yeah. Like, we want to hear more about it. Like, we know for a fact that, you know, listen to all your previous speeches. It's a three, $370 billion industry, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you're using AI-driven platform to predict, like, the best matches for roles. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, this interview that we watched was um in 2018 so mm-hmm. you want to see like how the platform has changed adapted and yeah you know has grown over the years yeah of course thank you so much yeah so so i think what we are working on is this ai driven hiring software that is really built for companies hourly 
focus, we work with a wide range of clients from restaurants, hotels, healthcare, supermarkets, and more. Um, the truth is um, about 60% of all people who work in the US, they are hourly workers. Mm -hmm. It's a very big space. There's about 80 million of them. So, but there's been a ton of software built for people who work not in this role. I mean, most software today are built for people who work in this office, mm -hmm. are built for people who work in tech. Think about software like Zoom, Slack, Workday, Salesforce. I mean, do you think someone who runs a chain of these cafes will want to use, use the software? They could, but it is not built for them. Right. Mm. So we see there's a huge gap there in terms of software built for non-office workers. Mm -hmm. We all call it main, main the, 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 the main bulk of people who is in this space, right? So um, all of our current workflow is via texting. Everything is all built on a phone. Um, there is also a lot of this automation in our software mm -hmm. that can help to save you time. Right. So that, that, that is really what we are doing, trying to use texting, mobile workflows, and this AI mm -hmm. to help you to source for more people and to be able to screen and to onboard people faster. So mm -hmm. today we work with a few hundred brands from Jumba Juice, Subway, Merit, mm -hmm. F1, H&M, and more. So we, we surely have a pretty broad base of, of these clients that we now work with. Yeah. Well, I think that's amazing. I, I think that's really prevalent because, you know, with text messaging that that removes the onus from the employer, right? Because, you know, employers may forget to, to follow up with the employee and maybe yes. the employee forgets to get back to the employer, you know, and just having that AI and just having like the text messages automatically sent out to the candidates. I think that removes a lot of the burden that, you know, is involved in hiring processes. Yeah, and not just that too, you're creating a larger audience. Yeah. I think this I think as you mentioned one of your speeches before, like everyone uses their phone. Not everyone mm -hmm. uses the computer, you know? Yes. Not everyone has access to a computer, which has access to internet and a website. I think essentially what you're doing in, inherently is you're targeting a larger work base who may or may not speak English that well. Yep. That's and true. That's extremely valuable, especially given the COVID-19 situa situation that, that we're all seeing. Yep. Your application is extremely essential for most people to be able to become employed you know, yep. on your next job. And you know, we definitely want to do our part to make sure we promote your business too. And Thank you. Having our meeting as a, our podcast and Asian Hustle Network is currently almost at 50,000 members. You know, we can nice. help push that through and really get more people to understand the power of WorkStream. Yeah. And that's, awesome. That's, Thank you so much. Yeah. Of course. And that's, that's really our goal too. And as you mentioned before, this is a $370 billion industry that you're targeting, mm -hmm. you know? And the, the, the way that you guys are rapidly moving is really quick. Like just looking at your seed investments and, you know, mm -hmm. going through your venture capitalist funds and raising, that, that's amazing. You know, it's so fast. Thank you. It's really damn Thank fast. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm involved with the angel investing side of type in the Bay Area. So I see, like, I, I see your work. I see everything that you do. So very impressed by that. So we have a lot of people inside Asian Hustle Network that definitely want to learn about this process. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of walk us through your story, too? Like, 
when you first start WorkStream, what was the idea like? What was the prototype like before you raised your first seed investment? Because you have some really yeah. big seed investors, Justin Kahn and you know all the, you. all the Asian mafias, you know? <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. So um, when people think about trying to build software startups, they always think about, hey, I need to go and hire a team of software people to mm -hmm. build the first version of, of the software. Yeah. Um, so I, people think that I have, I, have, I have to spend so much money. Um, the truth is, it is not true. <laughs> there is actually many ways that you can test mm -hmm. whether people have a real need for what you take off. I think I always tell other, other founders, think about what is your M MVP, right? If you're trying to sell something online, maybe you're trying, trying to sell clothes and you want to build this online software, but just have a simple type form or have a simple landing page where people can email or like text you. Think about what is the you know, so-called cheapest price that you can try to start off because the main thing is you have to test whether people actually want to buy what you have, mm -hmm. right? If you go and spend six months to hire a team of five software people to build your software and you go out there to test it and people say, hey, this is not what I want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you have to go back to change everything. And it is not just money, it is time, right? So what is the least amount of work you can do to come up with something to test? Uh, and and you, you, you can test things in several ways. Like one way is think about whether people is actually willing able to pay for what you have to give. That, mm -hmm. that, that is the best, right? If, if yours is not a paid thing, you can think about whether people are open to give you their email, right? That is mm -hmm. some kind of value. If people are open to give you their email, if people are able to give you their time, um, all those are trademarks that people have a real need for what you are trying to build. So I think that was really why I did early on. I wanted to talk to a, few hundred clients trying to learn about um, what are their pain points, trying to watch how they hire people. I found that many of them will use Google Sheets, email, and more to manage hiring, which was fairly manual. Um, so me and my teammates, we came up with this wireframes in maybe mm -hmm. about four to five days. So mm -hmm. we, we simply used Sketch as a free software to come up with this wireframes. And next I use this, this wireframes with no code at all to show it to these clients and say, hey, um, this is what we drew out. If you click on this button, it will lead to this other frame. Tell me what you think. Right. So this was phase two. So phase one, phase two. And after this feedback, I must have done this at least like five to seven times to try and get more feedback prior to me and my teammate. We built up the very first version of the software. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had our first paid client in a few weeks after. So that was really the whole flow of us coming up with the very first version of the software. Mm -hmm. um, when I went out to raise my first round of funding, I have some tips that I, I can share. And if any other members are keen to talk to me about trying to raise funding, I'll be very glad to like, share more because I think trying to raise funding, there is a lot of art and science. Mm -hmm. behind it. Uh, but when I went out to raise funding, I had about 10 paying clients. So not that much. Um, and sometimes I tell other founders that if you're running a software company, um, sometimes it's better to not have so much 
clients when you go out to raise your first round of, of this funding because yeah. when you have 40 clients or so it is not so much but it is also not low people would would almost have to track your growth which is very hard right because your curve has always had your your curve always has to be up <laughs> right but when you haven't launched yet you have some paying clients but you have a strong team you have a strong market product um you can sell more of like what things can be right mm -hmm. so that was how we raised our very first round of funding and after that since then we have scaled to a few hundred clients so yeah cool. that's really cool yeah. and for our listeners who don't know what an mvp is the minimal viable product so that's the yeah. that's the model where you before you build anything you want to see if it works you know before you like that's been that's been said um before you dedicate a lot of time, money, resources to this. You want to see if this is a product that your customer even wants. And yeah. a lot of good points too, that you really understood your pain points, like the customer mm -hmm. pain points. That's a, that's a great, great indicator of a good founder. You know, if, if that came to you, you didn't know what the pain points were, then I would have an issue if yeah. I was going to invest inside you. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Really important because like you mentioned, you know, a lot of these companies that have, mostly hourly workers, for example, like restaurants, you know, it's very hard for them to see why they need to integrate a software, right? When they could just like yep. out to the candidate, you know, in person by phone. So I was wondering like, how would you go, how did you go about, you know, proposing that idea to them and like making them understand, you know, how to fill the, the void and fill the gap and, you know, make them understand this is something that could really improve their processes in hiring candidates, you know, even before you showed them the software, even before you showed them the demo, how, how were you able to, you know, convince them that this is like something that could really improve your processes? Yeah. One thing that we often do is you always love to ask open-ended questions um try to ask them hey tell me more about your current hiring process mm -hmm. um tell me what you wish could be better right people always wish something could 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 be better right. what are some things that you love about the way that you do that you do things down what are some things that you really don't like mm -hmm. right so by asking such open-ended questions it, it really served me well because um the client who i talked to he or she would actually share some of the likes and pains that mm -hmm. she has, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's always things that you wish could be better, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that's one thing that I do. The second thing that I did in the very early days, which is much harder to do now, is to go and watch how they do it. Yeah. Um, if I could stand right next to them and see how they do things. Uh, for example, if you think about um, trying to book travel in the past people always say oh i love to book travel it is yeah. so fun but when you see someone do it on on her own and she she spends like two hours trying to go on to 10 of the sites and she right. still cannot find a good way and a good price mm -hmm. you already know that she actually doesn't like it so much she right. thinks that she like it <laughs> right mm -hmm. so this is the same case for hiring um people may say that hey you know i love to go through every person and to call every single one. Mm -hmm. um, but when you actually watch them face to face, um, it is very different. So what someone thinks and what someone does, it is very different. And many times people, um, even me, I, I think we know our own pain point. 
We yeah. think that we do, but we don't. <laughs> Very true. That's similar to like a lot of companies who, you know, follow their own processes and they think that their processes are perfect, you know, because they don't see it from a third person perspective. But when you have a third party person go and, you know, see how you work, you can see, you know, like, oh, I, I can see there are definitely voids in the processes. There are definitely gaps in the processes. So yeah, and most of the time when you're presenting a new idea, sometimes the customer doesn't even know that they need the product. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know even we're guilty of that too, our day-to-day -day routine. We don't like to change our day-to-day -day routine, you know, like yep. we make one adjustment that, total, that totally improves the entire process. Like, dude, why didn't we do this before? It was amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> yes, the job of the entrepreneur, you know, like you had to like show them that they need this product, but their life would be improved by it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that yeah. once they use it, they can't live without it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. And then, and then you mentioned that, you know, you're wireframing too. Mm -hmm. um, I think most people, especially early entrepreneurs would be like, or tech entrepreneurs would be like, Hey, I need a working demo. I need my code to work. I need this not to work. Otherwise, people will never invest in me. And here you are telling us you don't need an actual product yet. You need good wireframing, you know? Yeah. And wireframing can be done through PowerPoint slides too. For yeah. you to yeah. Is that you have to just show where the redirect buttons are and what they do. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yes. Of course, you'd be more fancy to hire a software engineer to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> it will just cost so much more right, right. <laughs> money and time, right? I will even say that time it is it is it is almost more key than cash, right? Because if you if you get someone to spend the next three to six months to build a software and it's wrong, right? And you, you have to go back to rebuild everything again. So people are always think about money, but time is very very key too. Right. So. Yeah, and, and earlier too, you brought up a really good point that you know I think most of the perception of tech companies in the Bay Area, it's like we raise a lot of money and then we burn it all really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, I mean, you read a lot of articles about other companies who are more well-known and then you see stuff happening to like WeWork. You're like, wow, like this company grew too fast without a strong financial model. And what you brought up earlier is a really good point because you don't have to grow quickly with the expense of picking more debt. Yep. You know, that's that's a yep. dangerous move, especially yep. in the COVID nineteen. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're overly leveraged and you don't find a way to like sustain yourself with a profitable margin, you're gonna sink really quickly. Yeah, you know? no, that is very very true. That is very. I I I think when me and my two other founders Max and Lei, when we first launched the company, we all didn't get paid for the first six months. We were just trying to uh, make sure that this works first. We didn't care about paying ourselves yes. from the start and that really helped us to focus so yeah 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 i really i really like that that financial model super super smart by the way now i know yeah. thank you why you guys are progressively growing during this, this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you so much yeah thank you so much and, and and i think that is a good point i mean in in terms of this hiring trends you will see that mm -hmm. um many people are actually still hiring even though i would say like restaurants hotels they are hiring less but if you look at other sectors like you know supermarkets healthcare companies hiring drivers those are still hiring quite a bit and i think in the coming weeks and months many of these businesses they are now trying to prep to re re reopen so that is something that we are very keen to be helpful to as teams try to open up 
So. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of COVID-19, I know, you know, much of the inspiration behind Workstream was, you know, unemployment rates were very low. And now that unemployment rates are, you know, increasing at this time, how do you think the hiring processes for a lot of companies are changing? Um, I know a lot of people are trying to come out with, you know, ideas and, and ways to make hiring processes, you know, much faster for, you know, people who have lost their jobs. How, how do you think in your own perspective, the hiring processes have changed now due to COVID? Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the strengths of our software, right? Being able to help people to get hired faster, sometimes right. in the in the same days, it, it, if not in just a few days, um, just because of our software, trying to use text-based hiring software. Um, that's the very first point. Second point is, yes, I think there's much more people trying to look for jobs, mm-hmm. maybe more job job seekers than jobs for the moment. Right. Um, but from the point of view of these businesses, it will always be key to be able to find people who are good, people who align with this job scope. So our, what our tool does, it, it helps you to screen through people mm-hmm. quickly through our software. You, you, you can create quizzes and forms through mm-hmm. our software you can you you can get people to self-schedule for a time to come in to meet with you right. you can handle all of your this paperwork w4 i9 background checks all those can be done through our software through the phone where people can sign with your finger from the phone wow mm-hmm. yeah so all this is really end-to-end Every single step is all done via the phone. So that's really going to save time. Right. Um, and, I, and, and I think the third point I have to make is um, our software helps you to practice this con, contactless hiring. Mm-hmm. So you, can, you do not have to meet them to screen them and to get them to sign paperwork. So all those can be done uh, from home. So mm-hmm. you run much less risk of having to meet them face-to-face right right yeah absolutely yeah. love that pivot too yeah. you know like you you're definitely pivoting you're readjusting you're adapting mm-hmm. to the market, <laughs> you know? yeah so you. at what point when you were raising your seed money that you realized that you should hire your first employee because it seems like you guys moved the light speed you know like 40, <laughs> two and a half years three like that's fast like thank you, how, thank how you. yeah realize you need to hire that first employee and when did you realize that you really have to grow and hire 40 employees? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I think the first two people we hired, one was someone to do UI UX, to do design, because I found that even though I could draw some of these wireframes, but um, someone else could probably draw it better than me. <laughs> so um, we definitely found someone to draw that. Then next, we hired two more software engineers to work with one of my founders to really build this out faster. So you will see the trends of this software companies that is in the in the early days, I would say for the first five to ten hires, it is almost going to be focused around product, like UI UX, design, software engineers, and you'll probably have one to two percent, probably one of the founders who would actually sell first. And that was really my role. Um, I closed the first hundred clients uh, for us on my own. I was jumping on Zoom calls just, just, just like this, maybe about 12 to 13 calls, like just like this every single day, yeah. which was about half an hour or more. And I would show the software demo through Zoom. So I was doing that for almost 
six to nine months, like every day, just having back-to-back calls. Um, and that was how I closed the first 100 clients for us. <laughs> so I would say those were the early days of how we were, uh, how we were able to push things through. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, like, and after you secure your financial models, and then from there you went to venture capitalist money, right? And you start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. For our listeners, like, they have to know that things start in order, you know? There's a lot of, like, we're just going to go straight to venture capitalist money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never like to come out to raise funding. I always think of, like, um, when you don't want to raise funding is when they will come after you, right? Yeah. Um, all my fund raising flows has been finished in about two to three weeks. So it was all quite quick, but I really packed every single day very tight, yeah. right? I must have pitched at least like 30 to 40 people, but they're all very back to back. So I, I, I was able to create like FOMO when I was out to raise funding, right? I was saying, hey, I have this, three to four weeks when I went, when, when I went out to raise funding. So I was very clear about that. Yeah. Um, so that was very helpful. Um, but you shouldn't go out to fundraise for the purpose of, Hey, let's raise funding first so that I have the money to build something. I think that is not the right order. Yeah. Always try to come up with something that um, has some value, has a few paying clients mm-hmm. uh, and that people can see that, Hey, there's, there's some, value there yeah. then people would see it okay well that's that's really cool to hear that too and, and some of the questions that we get in when asian hustle network is um when people start raising money they're not sure how involved they want their early investors to be how have you dealt with this problem you know like i know for a fact that when you're just starting out with an idea you bring on angel investors they always have something to say about the product um how have you dealt yeah. with the situation before yeah, I've been quite lucky. Um, we really took care to choose the right fit of people who yeah. could be there when we wanted their help. So people have been generally quite hands-off, but when we have things to ask, um, they, will, they will be there for us. Okay. So I think you should be very careful on who you choose to partner with. That is very key, right? Because once they are in your cap, cap table, it's is hard to change. <laughs> yeah. So on my end, what I do is every month I would send out uh, one actually, you know, to all the funds and to all the angels who have actually given me money. Uh, mm-hmm. I would send it out at the end of the month and that has worked very well for me in terms of just a very strict monthly breakfast mm-hmm. with all my clear metrics, product launch, product changes and, mm-hmm. and team and hires. Mm-hmm. So I would do that every single month mm-hmm. with a very fixed structure on the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is very tough for you to jump on calls with everyone because mm-hmm. if you do that every other month, you have no time to, to do the real work, right? Mm-hmm. So that was what I've been doing now for the past two years and it's been going well. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a really good, good point you bring up too because I think when you're an early entrepreneur and someone offers you money, you're like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but you really have to find your fit. You yeah. know, like this person will be with you for a long time and mm-hmm. You really want that chemistry too. It's not yeah. just the chemistry so with the co-founders. Yeah. It's a chemistry with your early investors too. Because having a good relationship with them mm-hmm. can 
mean the world to like the next level. You yeah. Know? You're constantly oh, arguing mm-hmm. with your angel investor and you're in trouble. <laughs> you oh, yeah. 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 So yeah, I just want to bring a tip out to all the Asian hustle network people listening, you know, like don't accept the first whore of cash comes your way. It's very tempting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I think that is very true. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're nearing the end of the podcast. We're, extremely extremely excited to have you here and learn so much about your journey (laughs) thank you um so what's the next step like what where do you see yourself in five years and ten years from now and what are your goals for Workstream? yeah i think we are still very early to be honest we are still very early there's still so much for us to learn i i really believe in our team's mission right there's more than 80 million hourly folks in in the u.s and in the world, there's more than two billion hourly workers. It, it, it's a really huge space. Um, and there's just not been enough software built to serve them better, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we, we are really on this very strong focus and very strong mission to help them to be able to not just find work better, but to manage their current workflows better too. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that is really what we really hope to do. Try to, try to start from, from the U.S., and try to create impact and change to both local businesses, restaurants, hotels, healthcare companies, um, and more, but to also create change for many of these Audi folks. So if you ask me, um, five to 10 years, I hope to be able to still be on this mission, Mm -hmm. Um, trying to bring back to actually what, what, what like, you know, Brian was trying to share Early on, I think it is very key to find something that you really feel strongly about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I often tell folks that I was really lucky. At the age of seven, I found my first love. Oh. Basketball. <laughs> 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 so I've been playing basketball from <laughs> when I was seven until I was about 25. Uh-huh. Or maybe at one, two, I was about 24. Then I think for the next four to five years, I was very lost. To, to be very honest, I was trying to find out what's my next love because <laughs> I was growing old, so I can't, I can't keep playing sports, right? So I spent the next four to five years really trying to figure out what to do. I worked for many people for free. Mm-hmm. I talked to many people, one-on-ones, coffee chat. I just worked for free for folks too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through that three to four years or five years, I really found out what I, what I really want to do. So. Um, I've been trying to build my current company for the past three years and I feel very thankful to share that I found something that I feel I can do for the next 5, 10, 20 years and more. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. wow, that's awesome. that's really, really awesome that you yeah. found. Yeah. In, I know, you know and, yeah. And not yeah. a lot of people can say that, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a journey. You're going to have yeah. your highs and your lows. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're going to, it's really, really normal to feel lost, you know, like, yeah. And being lost can be defined in two different ways. You can take it a bad way. You can take it a good way. You know, mm-hmm. you can take it as a way to reinvent yourself to figure out what is your true passion. But sometimes yeah. being lost is just the universe putting you in the right path. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's very true. <laughs> you have to believe that that's sometimes that's the case, you know, like, yeah. You have to look back and be like, "Wow, like, I'm so glad I was lost in that time." Because yeah. if I was not lost, I would have not met this person. Yeah. <laughs> with this way, yeah. <laughs> yes. it, it varies yes. with every person. You know, some people find their passion when they're 
seven years old or some people find their passion when they're 40 or 50 you know yeah. it's like it really yeah. it depends it, it's everyone has their own journey everyone has yeah. their own path there's no yeah. there's no apples to apples apples yeah. to apples yeah. person with anyone you take life your own journey your own pace whatever you feel comfortable because you realize like as soon as you move in a pace that you're not comfortable with mm-hmm. you make a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. yep you know, you can't yeah. achieve things you want to achieve. And then it creates a sense of unhappiness because you're not doing things the way you should be doing it. You know, you're yep. your, your, your pace. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we're super excited and really happy to have you here. The Asian Hustle Network podcast. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for your yeah. time. And then we just wanted to ask one more question for all of our listeners of the Asian Hustle Network podcast, you know, what is one message that, that you want to share with all of our listeners? Uh, one message that you like to share with everyone, you know, just, um, you know, your, your go-to message for everyone listening to this podcast. And how can they reach you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People can just actually help you. Yeah. 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 People can always just email me. Desmond at this actually workstream.is. So people can always just, email me or come, come on to Facebook to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the message, I think what I always love to think about is what the mind can conceive and like believe it can uh, 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 achieve, mm-hmm. right? So that is, that is like my so-called slogan that I had since young. So I would just yeah. love to live this with the group. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you, Desmond. Thank you so much. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.